0: Tonight, I want to talk about the Star of Bethlehem and the journey to peace. The Star of Bethlehem and the journey to peace. Now, I have always loved Christmas Christmas pageants, And i've seen some great ones we've seen the rockets christmas pageant where they bring in the the manger scene and that in new york city that is absolutely amazing we've seen that one before we've also seen probably the greatest one i've ever seen is at sight and sound theater have any of you guys gone there that's probably the greatest one i've ever seen and one of the things i love about that is they bring the whole scene of christmas together and one of the things that we commonly see, even in the nativity, and you'll see it at sight and sound, is they were bringing in three wise men on live camels. It's astounding. I mean, that song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, you think they are in the house at sight and sound because the, the music is swelling and the lights are, are swirling and these camels are doing whatever they're chewing and, and the kings are smiling and the baby's cooing. And I mean, it's like, yeah, you feel like you're right there. Well, I don't want to mess up anybody's Christmas tradition and imagery of Christmas But I'm going to tell you a little different side of the wise men tonight that might just make you change your manger scene a little bit. Now, if you don't want to, you don't have to because that's why we put the wise men at the manger. Even though they never actually went to the manger, we put the wise men at the manger because it's the only way we can see the whole Christmas story in one scene. So I'm not going to take my wise men out of our nativity. I've got one in, in my front yard. We've got one in, in our house. When you first enter in the house, we got a big nativity there. And the, the camels are going to stay, and the wise men are going to stay. But tonight, you're going to find out a different story about the wise men. All right. So tonight, I'm going to take a deeper look into Matthew chapter 2. And you may know this already, but Matthew chapter 2 is the only chapter in the Bible that even talks about the wise men. So it's not in the Luke 2 story. It's not in Mark or John and the Gospels. It's only in Matthew chapter 2. So I'm going to read, first of all, Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. So go there in your Bibles. Click on your phones, however you get there, and we're going to go through this together. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now that must have been something for all of Jerusalem to get upset about this. Notice this, verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said, Well, it's in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come the ruler who will be the shepherd of the people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said... Go and search carefully for the young child. Now, notice the language here. There is no talk of a baby in a manger because he has asked them the question, when did you see the star? He is trying to determine how old the child is now. Okay? So he says, so look at this. He says, and when they sent him to Bethlehem, he said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. So they heard the king and they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. Notice this. They've come into a house, not a barn, and they've seen the young child not wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger, but they now see a young child standing with his mother. And they fell down and worshiped him. Man, I'm already getting an amen, and I hadn't even said much yet. This is going to be a good night. All right. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How many of you would agree with me, that's a strange gift for a baby shower? So they brought a baby, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Isn't that kind of strange? And I know there's all kinds of speculation as to why, and we'll talk about some of those in a moment. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. All right. So there's various elements of this story that we can prove, either scientifically or by history. And in order to validate this story, I want to, first of all, pull out one element and validate the one thing that is obvious to everybody How these wise men got there was a star. Is it possible to follow a star? That's probably a good question. Well, there's been all kinds of speculation from exploding novas to um, all kinds of new stars being born to comets in the sky. All kinds of speculation. But the problem with that is none of those answer all the questions of Matthew chapter 2. So while these speculations exist of the star, it is believed that the star Bethlehem has actually been located and has been confirmed by NASA star charts by Dr. Rick Larson. Now, Dr. Rick Larson made a movie about it, and you can actually rent it on you. You can watch it on YouTube. I actually watched it in preparation of this sermon. I want to make sure I got my facts right. And so I actually, w- it's one hour long, and I watched it again. It's called The Bethlehem Star. So you can find it on Netflix, you can rent it as a movie, or you can actually watch it on YouTube, as I did, and for free. <laughs> Just put in a plug for YouTube, I guess. Um, he uses uh, astronomy simulation program called the Starry Night. Now, understand this. Astronomy is different from astrology. Okay, that's not the same. Astrology is when you use it to predict um, people's lives and things about their lives and that's more superstitious while astronomy is a true study of the stars and the stars are speaking to us by the way. They have a great message to tell us if we understand how to read and listen to the language of the stars. So he uses a program called Starry Night which is also used by NASA and the way this program works in layman's terms, which is all I can give you for this, is that basically they have recorded all of the star charts, and they can fast-forward them and reverse them, not in a simplistic way. They can actually take you, for instance, if you said, what did the sky look like over Cleveland, Tennessee, in 1960 on October the 1st, they can take you right there. You can punch in that time, and it will show you what the sky looked like over Cleveland, Tennessee. You can say, well, how about Dallas, Texas in 1948 on September 3? And it will take you to Dallas, Texas and show you what the night sky looked like. This program is extremely sophisticated, even though I'm giving you a simplistic explanation of it. Now, it's used by NASA to determine the, the the routes of meteorites that are coming toward the earth. It is a very sophisticated program that is that is used in science quite often. It's called the Starry Night. Now, in this simulation, you can actually look forward and backwards on the simulation to find out what happened. So... I I can't give you the explanation that Dr. Larson gives you, so I'm going to break it down as simplistically as I can. Now, the, the planet Jupiter is called the king planet. It's one of the largest planets in the solar system, and it's called the king planet, probably for that reason. Well, when you look at a planet far away, it still has, for instance, the sun is always shining on the earth, even though we're rotating. You can actually see... There's, it's, either, it's light somewhere and dark somewhere at the same time because the earth is rotating. But it's always pointed toward the sun. So even our moon gets its light from the sun. So the moon has zero light, has no light. The moon, in according to its orbit, reflects the light of the sun, and that's what we call the moon. So, um, so the planet Jupiter does the same thing. So when you observe the planet Jupiter with your naked eye and you look into the sky, it looks like a star because you're seeing the reflection of the sun on the planet Jupiter millions of miles away. So the planet Jupiter is called the king planet. There's another star that is studied quite often called the king star. This regal regent star is called Regulus. Even in the ancient times, the Romans called it Rex, which means king, and the Babylonians called it Sharu, which also means king. So this regular star is called the king star. So now you have the king planet and you have the king star. And, it's, and sometimes when we think of stars orbiting, because the only thing I really understand is the, is the orbiting of the earth, and I don't really understand that. But I know that the earth does this, and then we do this around the sun. So orbitation or orbiting seems to me like a circle, or at least some kind of oval. But that's not what stars and planets orbiting looks like in the galaxy. As a matter of fact, they look more like a dance. They call it the dance of the stars because every every 12 to 72 years, somewhere in that time, you will have the dance of Regulus, the two, the dance of the kings, the dance of Regulus and Jupiter. They will come together, and this is basically what happens. One will go. He will go around the star, and then make a circular motion, and then he will turn back. It's like he changed his mind, and he goes backwards, which I didn't even know the orbits could do that, right? And that's called retrograde. So that means he's going this way, and then he turns and goes back this way. So here's what's happening. When you have these stars doing this, if you were trying to align them, when these stars are totally aligned, They shine as a bright star because they're totally aligned, right? And you're seeing two lights at the same time because they're aligned in a way that they're in a straight line. All you can see is one line, so it becomes brighter. So here's what happens. When the two kings meet and do their dance, and this is still happening in the skies today, by the way, it will come and and do a dance, and it usually passes by and comes back again. Well, it's not unusual for this to happen twice. It's not unusual for the dance of the kings to happen where he comes and does an orbit and then comes back again and then comes back again before he goes on his way, which I think is quite intriguing. But on 3 BC, or 3 AD rather, in 3 AD, that didn't happen. In the dance of the kings in 3 AD, if you look on the, on the sky From Babylon, this appears over Israel. And if you look at the sky above Israel, you're going to see two things happened on the night that they believed that Jesus was born. First of all, the dance of the kings did a triple turn, which turned everybody's head. The dance of the king didn't come by one time. He came back for a second time and back the third time, and they said it was the appearance of crowning the king. It made the appearance of putting a crown above the king. At the same time, in the same sky, another planet lined up for the dance. It's the planet Venus. The planet Venus is called the mother planet. And what's interesting about this is you have these two kings that do this quite often. But in 3 BC, there was a different type of conjunction, which is what it's called when these planets come close to each other and take on the appearance as one light. So you have now the mother planet and the king planet and the king star. And when all three of these lined up, you had the mother planet the king planet, and then you had Regulus the star. It was a sign in the heavens because it looked like the mother and the father were birthing a king. And it created the three loops, the three conjunctions, they call it a crowning, that made it as though the crown, the, the king was crowned. So this caught the eye of astronomers around the world because this was quite a phenomenon. Now, I wanna tell you something, that this now happens, the lining up of Jupiter and Venus, by the way, when that happened, it created the brightest star the sky had ever seen. But since that time, it now happens every three and a half years. I'm sure it's by coincidence, but how many years did Jesus minister on the Earth? Three and a half years, right? Just coincidence, I'm sure, right? But now, every three and a half years, do you know that you can see this in your lifetime? As a matter of fact, I remember my wife telling me they said on the news that the star of Bethlehem is going to appear in the sky tonight. And you know what I did? I went outside and I looked for it. And you know what I saw? I saw the star of Bethlehem. And I stood there with great joy and a few tears because I felt like I was seeing what the wise men saw. You can see that in your lifetime. I hate to tell you it's going to be three and a half more years because it's already happened this year, right? happened in April. I should have preached this in April, right? Then you could have gone outside and seen it. It happened in April of 22. So in 23 or 25 now, you can see this phenomenon again because every three and a half years, you see the Star of Bethlehem reappearing. Okay, so this phenomenon happened right over, right over Israel, the nation of Israel, if you were watching from Babylon. So these men set out to see where this king had been crowned. Now, there's several more facts that go along with these guys. First of all, they're they're called wise men. So let's talk now not just about the star, but about the people who came. The wise men, in some versions of the Bible, if you read the King James or the New Living Translation or the New King James, the ESV, you're going to see the word wise men, which is the one I read from tonight. If you read from the NASB or the NIV, it uses a different word. It uses the word magi. So what is it? Are they wise men or are they magi? What does it mean? Well, the, the root of this comes from a Greek word. Remember, we're in the New Testament. So it's a Greek word called magios. Now, I'm not going to say that in Greek every time. We're just going to say magus because that's what we would say, magus or magus, because we speak English. And so, Magos in Greek is basically a, the, the pronunciation of a word that means magi. So, what is a magi? Matthew, again, is the only one who recorded this. And so, these magis come from Babylon. Now, a magus was a name, so that's what I'm just going to call a magus or magi. This is a name that is given to the wise men who serve the king. Now, there's a book that tells a great story about this that you are probably very familiar with. It's the book of Daniel. Now, remember when the book of Daniel opens in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel is actually kidnapped from Judah and taken to serve the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. But he's not the only one. There's all kinds of men from other countries, from Persia and Medes and all these places, that they have taken captive and brought there to this place to serve them. So so keep in mind that when he comes there, he's chosen because he is the brightest of the brightest. Now, when they tested them, they actually tested them and found out that that Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, You think, well, I've never heard those names. Well, have you heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Because that's their Babylonian names. So Daniel and his three friends were brought before the kings and tested. They were tested. And the Bible says that God gave them a supernatural wisdom, and they were ten times smarter than all the other men. So what happens to these four men? They get exalted. The king keeps them close because they're smarter than the Persians, because there's Persian guys there too. They're smarter than the Medes. They're smarter than the Assyrians. All these other nations that they have overtaken and brought in the brightest of the brightest to serve the king's council. And these are called Magi. Okay, so this council are, are, are called Magi. Now, it's interesting that in Daniel chapter 5, verse 11, Daniel is given a title. And the title he's given I think this is going to be on the screen for you guys but the title he's given is "Rab Mag." All right? Rab Mag." What does that mean? It means the chief of all the magi. So Daniel excelled in such a way that he wasn't just magi. He was over all of the magi in Babylon. He was their leader. Not just another another kid on the block. He was their leader. And not only that, you have to remember that Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was overthrown by the Medes and the Persians. So he doesn't just serve Nebuchadnezzar. He serves Darius the Mede. He serves Cyrus the Persian. So now Daniel is renowned in this area because he is prominent in all the Persian empire, in all of the, the Mede empire and all the Babylon the old Babylonian empire everybody knows him now you would think that when someone overthrows a kingdom they would get rid of the guy who sat right next to the king and advised him right and they did but remember the handwriting on the wall they said, nobody can interpret this. Oh, there's a man in this land who knows the voice of God. And they brought him back. He gave him the hand right on the wall, and he became another king's advisor. Guess what? They threw him out again because the Persians are now in power, and they brought him back again. They can't do without Daniel because he is so renowned in this region. Everybody listens to him. So Daniel's fame was not just in Babylon. It was in the whole Middle East, and he became the teacher of teachers. Now we can read a portion of the story of Daniel in the book of Daniel. And one of the things in this is is that Daniel receives a visit from Gabriel, the angel Gabriel. Um, Little test here. Who is the angel that comes to Mary and Joseph? Anyone remember his name? Here we go, what's his name? Gabriel, you're exactly right. Gabriel, let's give her a hand. 100, you passed the test, how old are you? You're eight years old, well you knew the right answer. You you get a 100 on your test. So the same angel that visits Daniel is the same angel that visits Mary and Joseph. And he's not just visiting them, he's telling them the same story. Here is Daniel, 500 years before Christ. And Daniel is visited by Gabriel and given a revelation. He is not only given a revelation that Jesus would be born, but he's given the time of the season of Jesus' birth. He's even given the year that Jesus would die on the cross. Daniel, is, Daniel after receiving some of these revelations, becomes so sick in his body The Bible says that he didn't know what to do with all this information. Can you imagine 500 years before Christ and the angel Gabriel comes down and says, by the way, 500 years from now, I'm gonna give you the birth of Messiah and I'm gonna give you the death of Messiah. Now, that would be enough by itself and guess what? Every wise man, Magi and Babylon and Persia knew this prophecy. Every one of them knew that in 500 years, seven generations later, That's prophetic, but we don't have time to go there. Seven generations later, they are still looking for the sign because now a generation has been born, and they said, you are the generation that will see him come. Can I just stop here for a moment and go off track for two seconds and tell you I believe that you are the generation that will see him coming in the clouds? I believe that. I believe you are the generation that will witness the rapture of the church. You are the generation that will witness the second coming of Christ. I believe that. So here we are seven generations later. For 500 years, this has been passed down, this knowledge. When this year comes, you have to look for a sign. A king will be born. Daniel not only saw that he would be born, he also saw that he would die. Now, Micah the prophet adds to this prophecy later and tells them the the city that Jesus is going to be born in. Now, even though Daniel is legendary and his teachings have been handed down, his followers knew to look for the sign that Daniel told them. So these magi, I believe, from the east are Persians or Babylonians who are under the tutorship of Daniel's teachings and they were looking for a king to be born in that era, so that we're looking for him. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at BrianCutshaw.com, or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at churchtrainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267 Georgetown Tennessee 37336 or if you're a Venmo user you can Venmo us also at church trainer thank you and God bless you and may the Lord multiply your seed now back to hope in the word so these wise men are from Persia or Babylon now how many of you have been to Israel okay how many have been to the church of the nativity in Israel it's over in Bethlehem I was there three weeks ago right so we were at the Church of the Nativity just about three weeks ago. And one of the things that I've, I'm always amazed at is that this is one of the oldest churches in all of Israel. Because this church was, was built by um, Helena, uh, who was, uh, Queen Helena, who was Queen Helena, who built it in 329. Okay, now when the Persians invaded Israel, one of the things they wanted to do is tear down all of the religious churches all the churches and they started doing that but when they came to this church this church which was preserved by helena because she believed that jesus was born there on that spot and they created a church this is where you go down into the bottom and you touch the the gold star where they believe where jesus was born this is that church when the persians invaded israel and they wanted, wanted to destroy that church they decided not to for one reason on the floor of this church is a mosaic of wise men coming to worship Jesus in Persian attire. And that's the only reason they preserved it, because the Persian army said, our forefathers came here to worship, and we will not destroy a place. So they saw these wise men coming in Persian attire. One more evidence where they came from. Okay, so it's it's no surprise then that, wise men are showing up in the Matthew 2 story. However, this passage does not tell us they made it to the manger. Unfortunately, they they, they didn't get there in time to see the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. So when you pick up in Matthew, we, we understand that the age of Jesus by the decree of Herod, which I will not go into because we have a lot of kids in the room tonight, so I will not go into that. So Herod made a decree about Male children, two years of age and under. Because he inquired of the Magi, when did you see the star? And because he made that decree that way, that is where we get the idea that Jesus was probably around 18 months to two years of age when the Magi found him. Now, the Bible tells us that they knew the teachings of Daniel, but they did not understand the, the, the city where he, was to be born, where he was to be born, so they had to go to um, Herod and ask what city is he going to be born in. All they saw was the star. Now, how did they know to look for a star? So this is the possible age of Christ at the time they showed up. So this is a nice little picture of Mary and Joseph and a two-year-old at a house which aligns itself with, with Matthew 2. But how did they know to look for a star? Did anyone ever mention a star? Did Daniel see a star? Or did Daniel just get a year? Well, Daniel got a year, but Daniel also was was a teacher of the Torah. And in the Torah, in the book of Numbers, chapter 22 and 24, there is a Gentile prophet who is hired by the king of Moab to curse Israel and he doesn't want to do it because he realizes that by cursing Israel he's cursed he, 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 he can't curse what God is blessed right he knows they're blessed the children of Israel are marching by, by Moses command and so he tries they they try to get Bala, Balaam to um, curse him and he, he can't do it he tries and he can't and every time he opens his mouth the Holy Spirit speaks to him, and instead of cursing them, he blesses them. But he's not wanting to do it. He's trying to get paid, and they're paying this Gentile. He's not a Hebrew. He's a Gentile prophet, but he, does, he is a seer, and he does hear from God, and he's trying to get a payday, but every time he opens his mouth, the Holy Spirit speaks instead, and then he gets blasted by the, the, the Moabites, He says, wait a minute, we're not paying you if you can't curse me. I'm trying. So he gets so afraid, he runs away on a donkey. And the donkey stops in the middle of the road. He's trying to get away from the Moabites. He's beating the donkey, you know, trying to get away from from the Moabites. And the angel in front of him, he cannot see, but the donkey sees it. And the angel said, all right, donkey, you've been waiting on this. He touched his mouth and let the donkey speak. And that donkey gave him a piece of his mind. I want to tell you, that's one good story in the Bible. That donkey said, have I not ridden you around all these years, your old hind in on my back all these years, and you are beating me with a rod? How dare you? That's the conversation that had with the donkey. He said, you're a donkey sitting on a donkey, and I'll just leave it there. That donkey was not happy. And then the angel revealed himself to Balaam and said, oh, you didn't know I was involved in this. The angel of the Lord stopped him and he said, you cannot curse what God has blessed. Well, he tries it one more time. And the fourth time, when he opens his mouth to try to get paid... The Holy Spirit says, I'm not letting you say it. This time, you've gone too far. I'm gonna give a prophecy that the world will know forever. And this is what he said the fourth time Balaam opened his mouth. He said, I behold him, but not near A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. And that's what the Holy Spirit said. He said, I see him coming. You don't see him, but I see him coming. And you'll know he's here because a star will rise out of Israel, out of Jacob. And a scepter, meaning a king. He's basically declaring that a king will be born when you see the star appear. Woo." So we have this prophecy from the Holy Spirit, even though he had to use a, you know, Balaam to get it to us. We have this prophecy, so now Daniel knows this. Daniel is teaching the Torah. Daniel understands this, so these wise men know around this time, look for the star of a king, and here comes Venus, and here comes Jupiter, and here comes Regulus. And they do the dance in the heavens, and they watch as the mother star and the king star line up and crown the little star Regulus. And they see this, and they're amazed. So they go to find it. So Daniel knew exactly what to look for. So he has to ask, have to, he has to ask Herod, you know, where do we go? And he says, go to Bethlehem. Now, when these guys set out, They set out under instruction. So Daniel has told them when to look for the star and where to go find the king. And then Daniel sends a gift to the king from his treasury. Daniel, they're not just bringing any gift. Daniel has also seen another vision that let him know exactly what to send to this king and he sends them from his own treasury, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. A strange gift for a baby, but this is no ordinary baby. Some people will say, well, the gold was for his kingship, and the frankincense was for his deity, and the myrrh was for his death. Well, you know what? That's a probably a really good representation. But when you understand what Daniel saw, then I think that you're going to go a different way with why he sent these three gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So now we've traveled back on the calendar from Malachi 2 all the way back to Daniel, and then we had to travel all the way back to Moses to hear the prophecy of the star. Now we're going to fast forward in the prophecy or in the calendar up to the time of David and Solomon. I want you to go with me to a golden room. This room is overlaid with gold. This is a room that is in the temple that was built by Solomon to honor God. Now, inside of this room, I want you to see what is there. Everything in this room is gold. The walls are gold. The posts are gold. As a matter of fact, everything in the room is gold The table overlaid with gold. The menorah is actually hammered out of one piece of gold. It's one piece. It's not put together. It's one huge, enormous piece of gold. The altar of incense is filled with gold, and even the way in is sitting on the floor, a golden censer. You can't go in without the gold. The gold is the only way in to what is in the back. Now, it's obvious to see the gold, but there's something else in that room that shows up twice. And how many of you know that two is the number of what? Messiah, it's the number of Jesus. There's something else in that room that shows up in two places, and you can't go in without it. It's called frankincense. When you go into this room to the the right, if you go into this table, notice the shoe bread that is on the table and it's stacked. Do you know what is on the top of that shoe bread? Frankincense. Why did the Lord say put frankincense on the top of the bread? And do you know what is in that golden pot there to take you in the room, frankincense is in that golden pot. As a matter of fact, frankincense is what they're burning at the altar of incense, and frankincense is at the top of the bread, meaning that you cannot get into the back room without gold and frankincense. And there's something in the back room you want. There is a throne of mercy. There is a mercy seat in the back room and you cannot get into this kingly place without gold and frankincense. But how about myrrh? Well, if you've ever read this scripture before, you know that before they could even move in, they had to create a holy anointing oil. And this anointing oil had five ingredients because five is the number of grace, right? And in this holy anointing oil, guess what the first, guess what the first ingredients is that is mentioned? Myrrh. You have to have myrrh to sanctify the artifacts. That means myrrh has been sprinkled on that menorah. Myrrh has been sprinkled on that table. Myrrh has been sprinkled on that on that altar of incense. Myrrh has, sprink, has been sprinkled on the wall, which means this, you cannot go into this back room unless you have gold and frankincense and myrrh. That is the only way into the throne that is in the back. But when you get to the back, and you're expecting to see a throne, you might get disappointed. Because what you're going to see is a coffin. What? An ark. Yes, it's a, it's a beautiful name, but it's not the same ark that Noah was in. This ark is a coffin. And on top of it are two angels facing one another. It's called the mercy seat. And of all the places God could have chosen to sit, he decides to sit on a coffin with two angels on each side. Of all the places he could have sit, because when you go into this room, you are bringing death so that you may find life you go into this room so that your sins may die you go into this room so that your past may die you go into this room to throw away everything behind you so that you can come out with life on the other side it is the mercy seat because mercy means you don't get what you do deserve and everybody just needs to get their sins to mercy everybody just needs to get the blood of their lamb to mercy and then they can go free but you can't can't go in without gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's the only way in to the king. Now what's interesting is I want you to go with me. Fast forward. We're running around the calendar tonight. We're back at this golden room. Fast forward all the way past Matthew 2. 33 and a half years later, to a tomb, a tomb of this same child, Jesus. When you showed up at the tomb after he died on the cross, the first thing that you see when you see the tomb is you see what is there. So the first thing I wanna point out is the first thing they saw is what is there. I want you to go to that tomb, pull up the picture if you will, guys. When you go to the tomb, the first thing your eyes notice is what is there. Go to the other one with the angels, if you will. There you go. This is what they saw. Now remember I told you, when you go into the back room of the mercy seat, you're seeing a coffin with two angels on each side. So when you show up on the day of resurrection what do you see you see a coffin with two angels on each side but the difference is the old coffin had the law in it and this coffin has nothing in it what you see different is that everything that has that was counted against you is now Gone. It has been removed. Your sins have been moved from the east to the west. When you go and you're seeing the real mercy seat, that wooden box was a foreshadow of this moment. That wooden box that you see in the tabernacle was just a type and shadow of the day that two angels would sit on the side of the coffin in an empty tomb and declare, he is not here, he is risen as they said. Hallelujah. So the first thing you notice in the room is what is missing, or what you do see. But the next thing you notice is what you don't see. Because when you go to the next picture, this is what you don't see in the tomb. First of all, he is not here. But there are two things missing. Do you know that? There are two things missing, not just his body. They wrapped him in something before they put him in the tomb. They wrapped him in myrrh. You know what is missing here? He is missing and the myrrh is missing. because you don't need it anymore. You have now found mercy. You have now found grace. You don't need to, now the veil has been rent in two, and you can go boldly into the throne of grace to obtain mercy in your time of need. Now you don't have to beg your way in. You don't need a high priest to get there. Now you can go to the mercy seat any time you need to because the myrrh is missing. The gold is missing. The frankincense. Sits is missing and the king is missing because there is no ark of the covenant in heaven oh no there is a throne in heaven and he is sitting on the throne isaiah said i saw the lord sitting on his throne and he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple there is no mercy seat. there's no coffin in heaven there is a throne that is occupied in heaven that is where he sits now Why did they send gold and frankincense and myrrh? Because Daniel said, this is no ordinary baby. This is not like any king you've ever met because not only did Gabriel show me the year that he would come, the year he would die, but Gabriel also allowed me, the Lord also allowed me to see his coronation. Daniel 7 I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought Him near before Him. Then to Him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. This is a coronation day. To him, the one like the son of man coming in the clouds, to him was given a kingdom that all the peoples, the nations, and the languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Daniel said, I not only saw his birth, I not only saw his death, I saw him crowned king of kings and lord of lords you can't approach this king the way you approach another king you approach the one who sits on the mercy seat that is why you have to go in with gold frankincense and myrrh because that is the only way in to where this king can be approached hallelujah hallelujah well you know what just excuse me for a minute Now I'm good. I can keep on going. I told you I got one foot in the old and one foot in the new. That was the old school coming out in me right there. So I believe, as many scholars believe, that this treasure was sent by Daniel. Daniel saw the coronation, Daniel saw when he was coming, and these were the students of Daniel that came to deliver the gifts of Daniel to the baby Jesus. He knew the time of Messiah. The gold and frankincense and myrrh was the gift to give this baby because he was no ordinary baby. This child will touch blinded eyes and they will see. This child will raise the dead from, from a funeral procession. This child will walk on water, will heal the lepers, and usher in the kingdom of God. So Matthew 2 and 10 says, When they saw this star, they rejoiced. And when they come into the house, they saw this young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. They fell down and worshiped a two-year-old Because they understood this is no ordinary two-year-old. This is the one who will sit upon the throne, not just the throne of David. This is the one who will be at the right hand of the Father, sitting on the throne in the holies of holies in heaven. This is the one that will offer his own blood. They understood this is not a king of Israel. This is not just the king of the Jews. This is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the king of the world. They understood what Isaiah wrote when he said, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Peace, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let's let's, let's do that again. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. One, two, three, four, five. Listen to this. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. One, two, three, four, five. Why five names? Because five is the number of grace. And this is not just the king of mercy. This is the king of grace. He's not just going to pardon what you did. He's going to give you grace to go forward into tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. Why is his name the number of grace? Because there are five names given to him by Isaiah there are 5 angelic visits in the christmas story and 5 people get filled with the holy ghost in the story in the christmas story we're not in the upper room yet 5 people get filled with the holy spirit in the christmas story That's where he found out, when you find grace, you find peace. His last name was Prince of Peace. You find Jesus, and you will find Prince of Peace. Who is this man who can calm the waters? Who is this man that can change lives? Who is this man that can overcome life and death? Who are you, Jesus? Well, if you're Jewish, you call me Yeshua. If you're English, you call me Jesus. If you're a wise man, you call me a king. But who am I? Well, on my mother's side, I was a lowly Nazarene. But on my father's side, I was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. On my mother's side, I was a carpenter. But on my father's side, I was a master architect of the universe. I laid the chief cornerstone when the sons of God sang together and the morning stars sang for joy. I put the twinkle in the star. I put the fire in the sun. I put the shine in the moon. I put the rain in the cloud and I put the red in the rose on my mother's side they called me a prophet but on my father's side they called me the word of God made flesh on my mother's side they called me a man of sorrow as acquainted with grief but on my father's side they called me the lily of the valley the bright in the morning star the rose of Sharon the plant of renown on my mother's side I looked like a dying savior but on my father's side I was a risen Lord rising with healing in his wings the captain of the lord's army on my mother's side they called me teacher and rabbi but on my father's side i was wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and prince of peace the one who sits upon the throne of heaven gold and frankincense and myrrh were brought to him the first time he came but they're not just about the first time he comes, they're about the next time he comes because it took gold, frankincense and myrrh to get into the mercy of God and now because you're in the mercy of God and the grace of God, he is coming again for all of the saints. The first time he came, he came as a babe in the manger but the next time he comes, he's going to be riding upon on a white horse coming through the eastern skies and he will take over Jerusalem. The first time he came he came as a pauper but the next time he comes he will come as the owner and master of the universe. The first time he came he was a carpenter's son but the next time he comes he is the carpenter he is the carpenter of all carpenters the healer of our healers, the counselor of our counselors, the lawyer of our lawyers the governor of all governors. The first time he came he was clothed in, in and clothes, but the next time he comes he will be clothed in glory upon the white horse coming from heaven. The first time he came he came to redeem mankind but the next time he comes, he comes to rule all of mankind. He came the first time as a Jewish boy, but he comes the next time as the king over every race and tribe of the universe. He came the first time and only lived through 33 and a half years but the next time he comes he's going to start with a thousand year Reign upon the earth and then all of eternity will be before us in his presence. He came as a teacher and a prophet but the next time he comes as a king and and as the king of kings the first time he came he healed the sick and raised the dead but the next time he comes he will destroy sickness forever and poverty forever and all wrong forever. He will destroy it and the world will be cleansed from Satan will be bound a thousand years will have no tipter then after Jesus shall come back to earth again the first time he came was a baby but the next time he comes he is coming as king of kings and lord of lords if you know this Jesus if you're personally acquainted with him I want you right now to just stand to your feet and give him praise all across this room (laughs) hallelujah hallelujah We we bless you lord we bless you lord we bless you lord hallelujah This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand His kingdom around the world.